Mr. Oh, there it goes. Thomas777, welcome back to the kill stream, sir. Thank you, buddy. How have you been? Um, you know, it's been a little rocky, but uh, here on the show and, uh, you know, still doing my thing. So uh, you're kind of an inspiration in that regard. I saw your your post the other day talking about how you came up in the last two years. Maybe you could go over that a little bit here at the top now that I think about it. Yeah, I mean, just I don't I mean, these days, especially everybody has some kind of bullshit like lore about themselves. And I, I mean, it's cringe as fuck. But I I mean, <laughs> frankly, I. You know, I try to emphasize to people, especially because, I mean, things are hard right now and it's it's become increasingly hard to make a living, frankly. I mean, on the one hand, you can pull money out of the air just kind of like by, you know, not in, in ways that you couldn't even like 10 years ago. On the other hand, I mean, it's, you know, um, it's it's not it's not easy to make a living. And um, I mean, frankly, like I, I, I was completely self-destructing. I was like literally homeless. I had a fucking dope habit for nine years. If I could turn that shit around, like, frankly, anybody can. It's not like I'm some kind of, like, disciplined fucking person who has, like, great, like, survival skills, man. You know, I'm, <laughs> I mean, like, it's kind of not a dumb luck that I survived that, um, you know, episode in my life. So, I mean, I, I, I just emphasize that, man, because, like I said, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. I don't have to work, like, a nine-to-five to feed a family. I mean, that's, these days, like, the uncertainty that attends that, I can't even imagine. But, I mean, our... Our, our people are are always outnumbered and you know we're always um we're always at war figuratively and literally um physically and spiritually so without i mean like i said man i don't, I don't want to come off as fucking corny but I, I just try and emphasize that man especially to the especially like the younger fellows who you know think like shit will never like improve it's like look man like i i was the world's biggest fuck up and like i'm not exactly setting the world on fire but if i could turn that around and you know basically you know basically get by and and do what i want like like anybody can i mean that, that's that's, that's now, but i saw that and it was inspirational like i said i've been going through it uh in a lot of ways uh, a lot of it's been in public unfortunately um but uh yeah i saw your post and i was i was inspired by that actually uh and i'm always inspired when i you know see people who you know stuck it out and now they're they're paying the the dividends are being paid to them for doing so uh and so yeah i, was, I just happened to see that the other day uh and i know it was your birthday uh the other yeah. day as well uh <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah, go ahead. I can't believe how old i am i mean don't get me wrong like being old is a lot easier than being young like anybody who says otherwise is they either got it twisted or they're like or they're, or they're just like lying to you man like i being like 47 is a hell of a lot easier than being 27 man like in, in every it is assuming you don't have like cancer or something obviously i mean in every conceivable way um it, it's just it's just easier you know and i mean that's that's a, i mean it, it's different for females but if you're a man like it like everything just gets easier like as you kind of approach middle age and beyond and that's that's another thing too man like it, it's as basic as it sounds to your point if you can hang on and literally survive and see shit through generally you have options and you can turn it around i mean i the only exception again is you get a terminal diagnosis i mean yeah obviously that takes it off the table or if you're looking at like life without parole but other than that i mean it, you can always start over you know there's that's i mean for real man like i said i, I don't want to sound like some kind of 
like Joel Osteen type or something, but that's, you know, like I said, man, like if I can do it, anybody can like legit, you know, now in what ways do you think it gets easier as you get older? Like, um, people just give you, despite all the talk and all the shit people say about like, Oh, like toxic masculinity and blah, blah. And like, you know, white male privilege. If you're like a white dude, who's not a fucking jag off and like speaks well, and you're like older, like people just like intrinsically treat you with respect, you know, like that, that's a fact. You know, um, because everybody knows, no matter what they say, that, like, a white man, like, keeps this fucking thing together, you know, and if we ever stop keeping it together, like, everybody's fucked, okay? Um, so there's that, you know, it's just, like, you know, people, people just give you more respect, you know, people just come more correct. Um, and just, you just, like, learn, like, what works and what doesn't, man, you know, like, it's, it took me, uh, like, I started, like, investing, um, I mean, I got a pretty diverse, like, investment portfolio. I'm mostly in stocks. Um, I don't want to like spin this off into some kind of sure. fucking. I'll go ahead. But, but my point is, like, I, I never, I, I was never, like, when I was younger, man, like, I was always afraid to get my feet wet in the eggs. Like, oh, I can't do that shit. It's like, you know, of course I can't, man. Like, anybody can do that. If you just, like, take the time to, you know, learn about it and do what you have to, you know, and, 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 you know, develop the kind of gumption and not be, you know, so risk averse and not afraid to lose money within reason. You know, you just, like, you just, like, develop more confidence in, like, what you can and can't do. And, you know, you know, you don't second guess yourself as much. And, you know, I mean, just like stuff like that, man, you know, and it's, and it's like stopping like a, like when you're 20 years old, I mean, the prospect of dying is a huge thing as it should be, because I mean, you haven't even started yet. I definitely do not want to die, man, anytime soon. I want to be here for a long time. Like if I found out I was going to die in a month, I mean, that would suck, but I, I'd basically be okay with it, man. I've been like very lucky, you know, and I've, I've done a lot of things. Um, not, not like, you know, not, not in any like global, like important terms, but, in my own like small fucking way, I've done a lot of things that I wanted to get done. So it's like, well, you know, I'd, I'd be okay with it, man. You know, and that's that's a huge part of it too. You're just not, you don't have that like kind of looming existential fear of like, what if I die or what if I get derailed like this? What if that happens? You know, because it's you've actually you know kind of formulated your life path and and kind of created a legacy in whatever like small way that entails. It doesn't have to be some fucking huge thing, you know. That's all. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, if there's some people struggling out there, I'm sure there are, and I've been going through a little bit too, like I said, but um, what were some of the key things you did to kind of uh, right the ship or, or get on the right track? I mean, for me, it was like this. Like, I literally, for about nine years, like, I was like a full-blown, like, dope addict. You know, I had to shoot up, like, three times a day, like, be right um, and, like, function. You know, and, like, I... I was always honest with myself about how fucked up that was, but I was pretty good at hiding it from other people. And like, I deny it, you know, if people said like, what's going on with you? Cause they could tell something's wrong. Like right before I quit, right before I kicked, right before I just kind of like turned everything around, I started telling people like, honestly, like I've, I've got like a heroin habit. Like I'm an addict. And like, that's, I'm just telling you like up front. And it was like this huge, like burden got lifted off me, man. Not just because like, I don't, you know, it's fucked up to, have to go through life, like lying to people. But it also, like, it forces it forces you to, like, take account of stuff, man. Like, you know, and, and, it, and again, forgive me, it sounds corny, but, like, in a, you know, not just in, like, a spiritual way, but that too. But also it's, like, you know, you can't, um, you know, if uh, it's it, it forcing you to be accountable in the eyes of other people, you know, not just people who matter to you, but just, like, randos. You know, it's, like, do you really want to go through life? Like, oh, there's that guy who shoots heroin. Is that like what you want people to associate you with, like when you're gone and you might be gone at any time because you're an addict, you know, and it's just like forcing yourself to take accountability and not, and not, you know, um, 
and, and not hide behind other, you know, anonymity or, you know, some kind of subterfuge in your own life to kind of hide your vices. You know, um, that's what works for me, man. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not saying you're struggling with like a, a habit and you've got like a job your family relies on. Don't like come out and say, hey, everybody, like, I'm going to be a habit. But I mean, like, you know, make yourself accountable in whatever capacity you can and stop lying about it. Okay. Um, for me, that was key, you know, because it's like, you know, what, what can you do then? It's like, then everybody in your orbit's like, hey, are you still shooting up? You know, are you, what's going on with you? Like, you, you, there's nowhere to hide anymore. So it's like, well, Either people are going to like cut off all their association with you and consider you a fucking degenerate or, you know, you're going to, you're going to like clean up and kick and do what you have to do to, you know, kind of rejoin the community of civilized human beings. And, you know, that might sound dramatic, but I knew myself. And if I, for me, like, if I don't give myself kind of like a horrible incentive, <laughs> like, I mean, that sounds like self-loathing. I don't mean it like that at all, but I need more like motivation than some people, I guess. Like that's what I had to do you know, to kind of really set myself right. And I sort of like, I, you know, I'm a Bible Protestant. That's I was raised. I didn't go into church in like 15 years. I didn't read scriptures since I was like a teenager. You know, it's like, I, I'm not saying people need to go to church and like develop a faith at all. Okay. Either that happens or that doesn't in your life. But, you know, that it, you, you got to find some kind of spiritual path. You know what I mean? I don't mean that entirely literally. Like, again, if you're not a religious guy, okay, fine. You know, maybe it's like boning up on political philosophy you know, maybe it's like learning a trade and like learning how to be a carpenter so that you can, you know, use your God-given skills in a way that, you know, not just like provides for you, but, you know, allows you to participate like among our people in like a constructive way. You know, you just, you've got to find like an ethos and a path and like a guiding ideology um, in a lowercase sense that kind of like organize your life. I mean, for me, that's what it entailed, you know, and I, I don't think I'm that... I don't think I'm like some big outlier, man. I'm kind of a weird no. fucking person, but like I, I think I'm basically like other people, you know. I mean, I, I, I think that's what works. Yeah, and you, you hit on something. That, of course, I've had a, I don't know if you know, but I've had addiction issues, uh, and they yeah, kind I know, of. And I respect yeah. that you've been like so upfront about that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. well, no, I was just gonna say, um, I've had addiction issues, and they kind of played out in the public, and uh, you know, your first instinct as an addict is to lie about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, fuck you. What are you saying? There's nothing wrong with me. Like you're an asshole right. for even seeing that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Your first instinct is to lie about it, or I'm not fucked up. What is your? What are you talking about? And then, of course, yeah. everybody knows you're fucked up, uh, and because it's obvious. Uh, and so that's your first instinct. But I do think um, once you're honest about it, and you know, once you come out with it, first off, you have people checking you, and yeah. you know, hey, like don't step by a line. Or I see you. You know, uh, I think that's a big help in terms of staying clean. And then you have a lot of people who want to help you. Uh, oh, no, 100%, yeah. man. And that's why, yeah, I thought, I mean, that's that's the big thing, too. People are like, and don't get me wrong, there are assholes because everybody loves to, you know, sure. point the finger at other people. It's like, oh, your sin is gross and horrible, unlike mine, which is better. But, like, it, um, the fact is there's a lot more people, yeah, who will extend a hand and then will just, like, say, oh, you're a shitbag, fuck you, and, like, gossip about you. Like, dudes and girls, like, you don't even know, you know? Like, I'm not even saying you got to go to, like, N.A. or something. Like, I didn't because, like, I, I don't that's not really for me, but you know, I did, uh, I did like, yeah, my church and stuff and just like other guys, you know, I knew, uh, in my, uh, you know, when, when I, when I moved back to like, you know, my hometown, um, you know, they, they, they wanted to help. Yeah. I mean, then people generally, man, uh, well, yeah, they'll, they'll warm up to you, man. If you're doing the right thing. Right. You know I mean? That's, but yeah, they, that's what keeps you honest. Cause I mean, if you, if you are a drunk or if you are fucking on dope, 
Like no one, no one's gonna want, no one's gonna trust you with their money. You know, one's gonna like want you to be around their fucking kids or like their wife. No one's gonna want to fucking. They're not gonna want to fuck with you in like a business or personal sense. I mean, like it kind of, it kind of forces you to correct yourself or just like live life as a shitbag. I mean, that sounds dramatic, but you know, again, like I, that's what it took. For, I needed a dramatic remedy, but you know, again, to your point too, like you're not gonna become some outcast by doing that like if anything people are gonna like respect you more man you know in the long term so yeah yeah i feel like that's true and um you know it's taking me a while to realize that like i said my first instinct's always to lie about it uh you know and uh, oh, nature, to yeah. yeah yeah to I cover up thing, man. Yeah. yeah i'd yeah. see i'd be nodding out somewhere and people be like you're okay oh yeah i'm just tired you know because i work nights yeah. or like you know i got arthritis so like you know i i i i, I took some muscle relaxes no, I like, and that's the thing too, man. It's like, you really want to be a fucking liar, man? Like, it's, I mean, you can rationalize, like, oh, I got to lie. Otherwise, like, I'll have legal issues or I might lose my job. Like, no, nah, man, if you're like a fucking liar, you're a fucking liar, man. Like, don't be a fucking liar. You know, I mean, that's at the end of the day, like, oh, you got to do your work, man. I agree. And, you know, something I talked about recently, um, you know, I got some bad stuff out there and some stuff recently, but, uh, you know, I, and I'm estranged from my wife and my kids, but, um, you know, I want to leave something else out there too. You know, you still here on the earth. You still, you still have some time. Um, you can change the narrative. You can change. Now you can't take back everything that happened. You can't, uh, erase all that. That stuff's still there. Uh, but you can, uh, alter course as long as you're still here. And like you said, there's two ways you can go. You can no, it's keep, how you, yeah. it's not, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. It's how you manage, it's how you manage it, man. I mean, that's a lot more, heartbreaking you know being um alienated from your family than anything i deal with i mean me it's just if somebody googles me they see like a bunch of mug shots from like a fucking slew of arrests i had you know <laughs> like i mean that's i'm not really proud of that shit but it's already whatever man like i but the fact is it's like you know in my case again too it's like you know there's people and i, I hear from them every day and like the fucking hate emails and dms like you're a junky piece of shit you know but it's like i mean whatever like that's that's a hell of a lot fuck i mean what the fuck does that matter in your case, man, like I do know, I've known guys, man, who like went away for like years in the penitentiary or something, like going to their habit. And when they got, you know, when they went away, their kids were like, were, like little fucking kids when they were like basically babies. And when they got out, like their kids wanted a relationship with their dad, man. You know, like I, I, I mean, think, look at it like that, man. You know, like again, I'm not saying like, oh, this is the silver lining. It's fucked up, like being a stranger to your kid, man. There's like nothing that fucking puts a bandaid on that. And like I said, I can't even imagine. I'm ready to deal with anything like that. But um, your, your kids aren't, like, forever lost to you, man. Like, no matter what happens, you know, like, uh, you got to believe that. And like I said, I've seen this again and again. You know, like, um, I've never, I've never, I've never seen, I've been around a minute. I've never seen anybody say, like, oh, fuck my dad. You know, he had a fucking habit, so I don't want to fuck with him ever again. Like, I've never seen that happen. Well, you know, and I talked to JLP recently, and he basically said the same thing, uh, you know. Your kids are going to reach out at some point and they're going to get older and where are you going to be when they get to that point? Right. Uh, you no, know, exactly. right. Like you're going to still be doing the same things or are you going to have built up, uh, and, uh, change in some good ways? Of course you can't necessarily completely, uh, change everything about you, but you know what I mean? Um, in terms of being more steady and getting some of these well, issues also behind you. I mean, your dad is your dad, and in my case, like, my, uh, like, my dad literally used to call me, like, the prodigal son, and, like, he still does, I mean, which, which I don't run from, but, you know, like, my dad, uh, I mean, I owe my dad a, a hell of a lot, like, is he, I mean, he, he literally, like, saved my life when I was a kid, he, he took me out of an insane fucking situation, but, um, 
you know, like your dad is your dad's like literally your model for God, like in symbolic terms in your mind, you know, like, and it's that looms incredibly large, man. And like when I was strung out for about a decade, I go see my dad on Christmas or whatever, but like, I, I pretty much like didn't see him, man, because like I couldn't, I, I wasn't going to like force him to deal with my habit. And I was like too fucking embarrassed and stuff. But you know, it's like, I, after not really, you know, having any kind of relationship with him for a decade, like owing to my own foibles and, and, and sins, you know, the minute I reached out to my dad, cause I was off dope. He's, he was like, no, it's great to have you back. You know, it was like, there was like nothing had changed, man. It was like the past 10 years, like didn't happen. You know what I mean? That's not some like rare thing, man. Like you're, I mean, especially if you're a man, but for females too, like your relationship with your mom is, is, is just as profound, but it's different. You know, like your dad, like, unless you're, I mean, unless there's truly like uh, an evil dynamic present, um, you know, nobody, nobody just like hates their dad because he's human or because, you know, and vice versa. No father just like condemns his son because he's, you know, he's, he's, he, he fails in, in mortal terms, you know, I mean, keep that in mind too, man. Thank you for those comments. I appreciate it. Now I'll, I'll, I'll finish up the personal section. We have some, I didn't really plan on, on doing this section, but yeah, uh, you know, that's how the kill stream goes. Yeah. I kind of feel it out a little bit. Uh, and I have yeah. to see that tweet. Now I mentioned you, you, you mentioned getting over heartbreak, uh, in that tweet too. Um, I, I don't know if you want to talk about it too much, but, um, I've got a little heartbreak going on too. With my and I, had a weird, um, I had a weird upbringing, man, because like my dad was this Oki, uh, my dad was like okay, white trash, and he, he ended up going to Harvard because the army sent him there. Then my mom was like this rich wasp lady, and they were both from LA. But then like I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago with like a bunch of Jews and a bunch of like mob guys, kids, and like nouveau riche idiots, like literally, like um, I, which was like whatever. It's not like I, like, I, I mean I, I had a dope upbringing in some ways, so my dad was awesome, and like I, I was lucky enough not to live in like some fucked up hood. But uh, there was like, it was kind of like a less than zero kind of fucking vibe. And like, like my first, like my, my first girlfriend, like fucking, uh, she ended up, uh, like when we were still kids, like she ended up, she ended up getting, getting hooked on dope. Like she ended up stripping and then she ended up getting fucking murdered and shit. Fuck. So that kind of like, and that was like around a certain college that kind of like mind fucked me, man, because like I, it's like, what the hell's the matter with me that like this shit's happening? And then. You know, like, uh, my younger brother, like, uh, he, he killed himself and he died in kind of like a horrible way. And then like, uh, like about like a year after that, you know, like, uh, my mom, uh, ended up drinking herself to death. So it's like, I just, it was just kind of like, 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 you know, just like these, like one thing after another, like I never really like dealt with, you know, and, um, like my people like don't we don't really talk about shit of a morbid nature. You know I mean? That, that's kind of like, that's like the stiff upper lip of myth and lore. Uh, so, I mean, it's like, I'm not saying people go to therapy or like pour their heart out to their minister or something, but it's like, I never like really dealt with this shit. And then like, as it stacked up, like I started like getting fucked up to deal with it. I mean, like I realized this in hindsight instead of like, you know, and I mean, like I said, like I wasn't, I wasn't going to church. I was working, I was working, I was working in the law, which is like a fucked up, field anyway i mean i don't mean like ethically although it's that too but i mean it's like the demand for legal services was dramatically receding i was having a harder harder time making a living you know i was like working for chump change in the like these it, like brutal hours and kind of like shit law firms you know i mean that kind of you know and i it, the 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 instinct to kind of like mollify like a broken heart with uh literally with 
like anesthesia, you know, like whether it's like heroin or like fucking heroin or fentanyl or like liquor, you know, that's, you know, I, that, that's what I meant. And like, I, and after a while, this stuff, you know, when I did get clean, this stuff doesn't like bother me anymore. Like I miss, I, I miss my brother and my mom. I miss other people. Oh yeah. And I, I got arrested for homicide. Cause like my friend fucking overdosed. Fuck. And the, you know, I was on, I was on felony probation and cops show up. And there's like a fucking dead guy in my room. So I mean, there's that too. Um, but it's, you know, I, I, I just, you know, things just stop bothering me, man. I mean, it's like, yeah, I, you never actually get over that kind of thing, you know, in, in emotional terms, but spiritually you just like become okay with it. You know, like I, I, uh, I, I hope when I die that, you know, God will understand like some of the things I've done that are truly like inexcusable and evil, but I, you know, I, I'm not afraid, man. And I, I don't believe, like, I don't believe the afterlife entails, you know, some kind of conscious existence where, you know, you're freed from the prison of matter and, like, you float around in the ether or something. I mean, for all I know, like, you don't even retain any kind of consciousness in the way we think of it at all. But I do believe there's, like, a basic harmony to life and a transcendental uh, aspect to it by which, you know, man be- she truly comes into harmony with, 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 with everything else, you know, including those who've who we've lost. So I, 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 I believe I'll be with the people I love. Do I lost early in life again, man? You know, if not in like the terms we can comprehend, you know, I, that's what I think. And this stuff just doesn't bother me anymore, man. You know, I just made, made peace with it. You know, well, um, well you hit on something there too. You know, I've got some stuff too, um, you know, growing up and in my past and you kind of try to sweep that under the rug and, and keep going, uh, without really dealing with it without, uh, you know, maybe you grieve, maybe you have some sadness or whatever, but you don't really deal, uh, with the issues and, and with the emotions. And if you don't do that, it'll deal with you. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm about to be 38 myself on Wednesday. And so, uh, yeah, fellow Virgo here, I believe. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's taken me a while (laughs) to get to this, to this point. Uh, but you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, tragedy in my, in my history and, and upbringing and all that, um, you use it as, as like a crutch almost. And, um, you know, you justify your bad behavior, you justify using, uh, right. Like, well, yeah, of course I'm using well, who wouldn't with this. That, yeah. Yeah. Other. Like, and, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, Oh, Hey, fuck you. You don't understand. Right. My shit. But yeah, yeah. no, hundred percent, man. And it's like, uh, I, um, I just, you know, like it sounds nihilistic too, man, to some people who like read it wrong, you know, but it's like, I, you know, like when I said, man, like if I die in a month, if I got noticed, I'm like terminal, like I, I'd be okay with that. Like I really would be, man. You know, like it's, I, it, um, you know, there's not, there, there's nothing to be afraid of, man. You know what I mean? That's ultimately, I mean, that's, like I said, it's, I, I think it's something that kind of defies rational, um, uh, explanation. Um, and there's not a way to characterize it that, you know, it's kind of like intellectually, um, complete. But uh, I just, I just stop being afraid, man. You know, and like I said, I realize that, uh, you know, but plus I realize too, like that you can't change these things. I mean, you can, you're responsible for your own sins. You're responsible for your own conduct. You're responsible for your decision to or not to, you know, walk the path that God would want you to. But beyond that, I mean, this, these things aren't like in your hands, man. Like it's not, this that people carry on these like regrets that like things could have been different. Like they really couldn't. And like, you know, what, what your, your path is your path. That's not to say that like, you know, man is, is just like a passive observer in his own life and fortunes, but 
you know, you're just very, you're a limited participant in all of this, man. You know, like there's, there's nothing, it's a waste of time to, you know, to, to brutalize yourself about, you know, like, oh, things could have been this way. It's like, no, probably not, man. You know, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. And yeah, obsessing over the past, definitely uh, something I'm trying to get over. It's hard uh, when you're used to that sort of thing, uh, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't well, really also, do so good. The one go thing, and again, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be presumptuous about you or like anybody else, but I think a lot of guys, they not, not even, you know, it, probably a lot of this is like subconscious. They, 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 they invest a whole lot in their ability to like make something work with like a girl, you know, or like a wife. It's like, you know, man, like the path of fulfillment for most men is like having a wife and kids like a hundred percent, but only, only you can kind of like make yourself only you and like your relationship to God and like make you complete, like some a girl or a woman like can't do that, you know? And like people in the absence of like outlets for, you know, spiritual fulfillment, and again, I'm not even saying you got to be religious. I mean, it's like, okay, take take spiritual within the lowercase s, you know, the a complete life. Like, uh, you're not you're not going to find that. You're not you're not going to find that formula like in another person. You know what I mean? So that's like these guys. And I'm not saying they're being weak or something like modernity, like really, really beats people down. But it's like kind of all of their uh, they, they, they invest so much in like a relationship with a woman. Because like there's nothing else from which to like derive like something approaching like transcendental fulfillment that like when that goes bad it just like crushes them you know it's like you gotta you know like even I mean every, everything is nothing is eternal man you know what I mean other than other than God and it's like even even if you've got a great woman who's 110 percent like faithful like she may die before you do I mean you've got to be you got to be prepared to lose things I and mean, that's what life is it's it's losing things you yeah, know and becoming yeah. Well, no, I was going to say, you, you hit on something there that I was actually talking to somebody else about the other day and was writing about in my private writings. Um, you know, uh, not just with my current wife, likely to be ex-wife, we'll see, but uh, not even just with her, but... Um, you know, I, I was taking accounting of my life uh, and, you know, I was talking about how I've been in a relationship for the last, I don't know, 14 years or so steady uh, with somebody. And, um, you know, you you look to that person, at least in my case, um, for like emotional fulfillment or spiritual, like you said, uh, and. And it can be friends too. It can be whatever. But um, sure. you know, you're looking to somebody else, like you, like you pointed out. You're looking to somebody else to make it better, or somebody else to to give you meaning. Uh, and then when it's gone, it's it's a huge loss. But really, you were making a mistake in the first place because that's not how you get uh, emotional fulfillment. You have to look no, within. One hundred percent. And the silver lining is up too, man. Like I've told people. Like, look, being being fucked up on dope was was like utterly horrible. Like being homeless, especially in Chicago, if you're white, that that fucking sucks. Okay, but at the same time, like there were like things I learned from that. You know, there were like times where like I mean, first of all, I learned to be alone because I mean, obviously you can't. I mean, you got no interest in you got no interest in in, in girls if you're fucked up on dope. You, you just don't. Okay. Um, but there's also, you know, it's like who would, who, would, you know, what female would want to associate with you, like when you're in that state. So it's like about like nine years, like that wasn't even like in my contemplation. So it's like I learned to like be by myself. Um, you know, and there's other times where it's like I'd wake up and be like dope sick or whatever, but 
you know, like on a nice day, I, I'd like walk to the beach or something and just like sit there and like watching the sunrise and like I'd be like kind of okay with things, you know, and it's like I had, I think experiences I wouldn't have if I was not in that state that like helped me survive later or that like provided me insight into things or like helped me survive or helped me, you know, not be so risk averse in, in constructive endeavors. I mean, you got to look at it like that, man. Like nothing's truly like nothing's truly like all good or all bad. And like, even like I, a friend of mine, like he did about seven years in prison. Um, and, uh, which I didn't know until fairly recently because like, he, he did, he does not seem at all like a, like a, a convicted felon at all. But let alone a guy who, who did many years in, in, in the penitentiary, but he said the same basic thing. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, he's like, I, he's like, I try never to think about prison. And he's like, you know, as years go on, it's like, I don't think about it. But he's like, I'd be lying if I said like everything about it was just like horrible. You know, it's like I learned all kinds of stuff about human nature. He's like, I learned about like what he's like. I had no fucking self-esteem before then. But he's like, I realized I could survive in this shit, and I'm like, I could outsmart all these fucking all these fucking animals and shit. You know, he's like, I'm like a tougher person than I thought. You know, and you know, I uh, it, I'm not like afraid anymore of like day-to-day situations. It's like, yeah, man, like it's, I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's almost like no nothing you endure that's truly just like a net negative that just like scars you that's like trauma culture is bullshit was like oh i was traumatized it's like well i mean it's okay i mean that you know i that's not the way to look at it man you know i mean this is not you know it's not and then this isn't some kind of like far out thing like that i've like arrived on there's a traditionally like the way like humans view these things you know going back you know as as far as as far i mean such that we can adequately translate you know ancient script or whatever i mean this is basically the foundation of like any kind of like ethical system like distilled down into like you know kind of personal ontological terms yeah and you know that's something i'm trying to get used to uh living by myself uh being myself now of course i have this show and i'm able to talk to people like you so not truly alone alone but uh yeah it's a it's a big switch when you're used to having a, a woman or, you know, I have my kid. Oh, being a family, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, it's night and day. I mean, like I said, man, like I, um, I don't, I don't take, I don't take for granted that for me, I think it's, I think, I'm, I think, I'm, I think it's easier for me to be by myself than some people just because like, you know, I've never been married and like, I, you know, I, the way my life kind of played out, I just like had to get used to it, you know? Um, so yeah. And I mean, for, 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 for somebody, for a hostile spouse to be willfully and maliciously you know attempting to estrange one's kids from you i mean that's horrible man like i've known other fellows who like went through that shit but at the same time again man like i you know the i i I believe uh i believe that the kind of net um benefit is that uh you know it's gonna yeah, it's, it's going to help you develop a more kind of complete perspective, man. It, like, like as regards like your inner constitution, as well as just, you know, in the day to day. I mean, I don't know any better than any other, man. I'm, I'm not a fucking, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a priest or minister or a psychiatrist, but yeah. I mean, take, and I, <laughs> I won't, I won't trash her. Cause you know, I had my hand in doing the, the estranging uh, as well. And, you know, I hope, you know, no matter what happens between us, I, I, you know, think she's a good person at the end of the day. And so hopefully as time goes on, I show some different things. Also, I mean, and, you're, you a good, know. you're a good dude. You're a good dude, man. I mean, like, and it's, well, you. you know, you always keep your dignity no matter what. Um, I mean, you know that, like, I, and I mean, but that's, and that's all you can do, man. You know, it's like, you can't, um, don't, don't capitulate to, don't, 
don't don't capitulate to fucking rage or uh or uh or getting out of pocket like no matter what she does i mean even if she really is you know um even if she really is behaving you know abominably i mean that's uh like appearances matter i mean everybody's like oh that's superficial no it's not man like because that's all people see people can't see your inner constitution or what's actually on your mind so kind of like one when, when i got off one of the reasons like i when i was coming off dope i was thinking about like i you know being on dope not like being drunk uh you don't generally say things you regret but you look like shit and you're always passing out and you're like disgusting like hygienically you know, it's like I, I've been kind of fixated on, like, not ever forgetting myself again and not ever, like, projecting an, an, that image of, like, moral and physical sickness, you know, and um, it, uh, that's kind of the metric, man, like, I think in all things, like, you know, how does this appear and uh, what, and especially, I mean, in your case, all that really matters is how it appeared to your kids, but, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's a tremendous motivator, man, you know, um, right. I think this all runs together, and, and like I said, man, like, I don't, uh, I don't have any grand insight into things, but I do know what it's like to be strung out and have a habit. I mean, like reach out anytime, man. If you just want to talk about this stuff, that. you're never like bothering me or anything, you know, like, yeah, it's, I appreciate it's really I appreciate you saying that. And one of the things, of course I've had people uh, in my corner before, but you, you take a lot onto yourself and you know, there's a lot of people who would have talked to me before, et cetera. And, you know, I just didn't really do it. Uh, and so one of the things I've been trying to do lately is talk to people and, you know, get their counsel. And there's a lot of, like I said at the start, there's a lot of people who want to help you. Uh, if you're if you're trying to do the right things and trying to get on track, there's a there's a lot of appetite for that. Uh, there's not a lot of appetite for <laughs> for for using and lying and, and stuff like that. And then people are you know no, exactly. put off. It's like fuckheads. There's always gonna be fuckheads, especially you know if you if you've got a partisan role. We're like, oh, you're a fucking yeah. junkie. You're like, but it's like I mean these guys are fucking faggots. Like they're I mean they'd be. It, people are gonna people are gonna like find ways to abuse you no matter what you know it's like they look like shit for doing that you know because it's like um I, I mean look so i mean who gives a fuck like what they think and yeah no one's gonna like nobody who matters is gonna like is gonna like hold you in contempt for like being honest about the fact that like you're struggling with a habit or you're like struggling to stay clean or that you know you are clean and sober but like you had this horrible habit you know i mean no one's and anyone who would hold you in contempt for that or people you want to fuck with anyway and yeah, man, like it's one of the, when I was talking about social capital, I'm talking about it in a, in a cadre sense, obviously, but I mean, not primarily, man. Like I'm, I'm talking about, you know, like rebuilding the social fabric that has been compromised, if not outright shattered. And, uh, you know, like our people supporting each other, you know, uh, in, in every, in every conceivable way. And like, part of that is, you know, supporting each other spiritually and morally, like when we're struggling. So yeah, absolutely, man. You know, like, um, yeah, I, uh, you or anybody else is always welcome to reach out, man. I mean, for any reason or no reason, but particularly on the issue of sobriety and and uh, and substance abuse, man. Like, I, I, am always, uh, I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm always more than happy, man, to to offer whatever counsel I can. Well, thank you for that. By the way, if people have questions, go ahead and super chat those in. I, you know, I kind of just roll in. I, it's kind of my interview style uh, where. I, feel yeah, some good. things out we'll just lean into that one more thing on the on the personal you mentioned jail uh and longtime viewers will know that i've been to jail and i'm actually a felon myself uh now i didn't go to prison i went to the county jail for eight months because that's how they do it there in virginia if it's not over a year uh and you know i've talked about my experience in jail a lot 
Um, but I remember this guy, he did 20 years in the federal penitentiary and he'd done an armed robbery and then he stabbed a guard while he was in prison. Uh, and so the guards were very respectful of him, Thomas, by the way, they didn't fuck with him. Uh, <laughs> after you, you have that on your CV, uh, that you get a little bit more respect. The guards didn't jerk him around. They didn't fuck with his shit. Uh, and so he, he carried himself a little bit different, but I remember him telling me, uh, right before I got out, he said, you know, one day it'll be like this didn't even happen to you. Uh, it'll be like somebody else lived this. Uh, yeah, and you'll, yeah. look, you'll look back, it'll be like a movie uh, that you watched of somebody else. Uh, and the further away you get from it, the the more it does seem like that. But you did hit onto something. Jail's not all bad in every single way. Uh, and don't go to jail. I'm not, I'm not promoting that. But um, you have a lot of time to think on your own. There are no, I mean, there might be some drugs, but I, you know, I didn't. Yeah, See, not like on the street. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It's not like it is on the street. Uh, drinking's not really there. Uh, you know, uh, you have a lot of time to read. Uh, electronics, at least when I was there, I know they've introduced some now, but um, there was no internet. Uh, yeah, you, had a, you had a radio. There was a pod TV. Now, if you're in prison, you might have your own TV, but I didn't. Um, and you have a lot of time to, to contemplate. You have a lot of time on your own uh, that you really don't get. Uh, as a part of working society because everything's going on, going on, going on. Uh, and it's not like that uh, in jail. Every day is almost the same except for commissary days and, and stuff like that, right? Like it's the same, but you, no, you have a lot of time for self-exploration. Yeah, initially, I mean, they've totally gotten away from this and it's become like hugely perverse. But the whole, I mean, the reason, the, the, the root word of penitentiary is penitent. Like initial, originally, like every man was housed, uh, you know, in, in a one-man cell, and, really, and like, talking wasn't even allowed. Right. I mean, the whole idea is that, like, sensory deprivation, like, forces you to reflect upon, you know, your your own moral condition, you know, and your relationship to God. I mean, that's, and yeah, obviously, I'm sure Virginia County Jail is, like, fucking horrible, and there's, like, there's, like nothing good about that curriculum at all. No. However, like, somebody like yourself who does have, you know, kind of the, the intelligence and, and, like, the the inner fortitude to take advantage of that. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure that's true, man. hundred percent. Well, yeah, in a lot of ways and I, and I'll move it on from here, but in a lot of ways, penitentiary is better than County jail. Uh, oh, that, because that dude yeah, that, like, yeah, day, especially yeah. like Cook County, thank God. I never had to stay there longer than like three days, but it's, it's fucking that, that place is like, it's, it's, it's unfucking believable, man. Like it's, it's literally like a fucking, it's their animals. Man. Well, you don't have the same freedom that you have in penitentiary. You can't, like I said, you can't get TVs. You can't, like in penitentiary, at least in Virginia, you could have books sent to you from Amazon and you could do all this stuff. Now, when I was in the county jail, you just had to get the book cart. Now, luckily, there was a lot of classics and, uh, you know, I was reading Suetonius and, uh, you know, Robert oh, Graves and all this stuff. Was it, just like, uh, was it, was it just like, yeah, it wasn't just like romance novels. No, like, although there was yeah. one of those I read. Uh, and then I read Wuthering Heights uh, in jail, too. Which no, is, Wuthering Heights is a great is, book, man. It's a great book. It, see, yeah. thank God oh, you've read it. So I talk about yeah, Wuthering yeah, Heights yeah, all yeah, the I time. Oh, I love that. I don't feel like constantly like, oh, you faggot. <laughs> that's what they usually say when I bring it up. I'm like, that's one of yeah. the greatest books ever written. What are you talking? I know yeah. a woman wrote it, but oh well, you know, you can't have everything. No, the, the Bronte sisters were rare. They're like, like Hannah Wright was like an aviation pioneer, and like she's like the woman who actually gets yeah. Like Emily Bronte is like the woman who could actually like write a fucking novel. You know, right. 
They're already, they're already the outliers, man. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I would recommend that book. I love that you've actually read it because I talk about it oh, all yeah, the time, man. and most yeah, people I talk about too have not read it. Uh, and it's a little bit tragic, although it has a, a happier ending, like I guess. Doing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's major league tragic, actually. Heath Cliff and all that. But uh, yeah, I, I read that while I was in there, and I was just enthralled with it. Uh, but uh, that's something that I might not have ever done if I hadn't been in jail. But uh, all right, all right, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll put a pen in it there. On our on our conversation, but I love that part of it. Now, what do you think? We'll do a hard shift here, a hard segue uh, into some news and stuff. What What do you think about the United United Auto Workers and and their strike and all that? I mean, they they it, it comes out okay. Like Trump is kind of mischaracterizing it. Like his jive is that like oh you know the switch to electric is is just like axiomatically going to kill the U.S. auto industry. That's not true. If uh, if we played the game like Japan did and like Germany used to and actually subsidized our national industry or like picked winners and losers is the way like economists, like supply siders used to describe it. GM can absolutely be competitive uh, in, in a purely electric consumer market, like no doubt about it. Um, the U.S. auto industry, it, 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 it died because it was basically killed off when the shift to the financialization of the economy, you know, like the last the last gasp of uh, national economics was uh, under Bush 41. That's why like, Bush 41 made a big deal, like meeting with Lee Iacocca and shit, you know, and uh, talking about like bringing back, uh, you know, competitiveness to, uh, you know, to the American auto industry. Like that, that like, like, like from, from, from Clinton on where like that was done. Okay. So, I mean, there'd have to be um, even like short-term concessions that the UAW is able to get. And I hope they do, man. And Lord knows like fucking, you know, GM and Ford is the fucking money to, you know, to, to pay these people a living wage and then some, um, but any, 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 any victory, they, any, any victory, they, they, they were able to earn in like policy terms. Um, it's the writings on the wall, man. Like there, there, there'd have to be a total like structural paradigm shift in uh america's economic model uh to really bring viability back to you know to the auto industry and also though even if even if that model was abided you know i mean uh basically like compared to the zenith of uh american autos which was probably 63 64 um it's basically totally automated man you know like the yes. ford uh the the, the dearborn plant uh, employed literally a hundred thousand people. It had like an on-site steel foundry. Like now, I mean, let's say, I mean, let's say like, let's say in some parallel counterfactual reality, you had some like, you had some like America first president who's like, you know, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to bring back competitiveness to like national manufacturing. And like, you know, let's say like the GM plant was going day and night, like we're going to employ like 5,000 guys, maybe, you know I mean? It's, um, there's that too. And like that's, I mean, that's a broader issue. Like the abolition of labor is a real thing. Um, and nobody really talks about it. You get some sociologist types, the handle of sociologists who actually are in the traditional, like Peter Drucker, like these kind of like economic sociologists, you know, and they talk about it and they have been for like the last 50 years. But I mean, there'd be that too. Um, but I mean, in the short term, uh, in the short term, it's smart what Trump's doing. Cause I mean, he's, such that Biden has any organic support, and I don't think he, he does. But if he, but if he does, and I don't know, um, it would be from quarters like the UAW. 
Um, and uh, so that's Trump is running a better campaign than some have credited him with. I don't think he's doing what he should be. Um, and uh, I, I don't think he has the momentum that he did even a couple of years ago, but that is actually a smart move. I mean, that's my, that's kind of my at a glance take on the UAW thing. Now you brought up uh, 2024. Uh, what do you think the paramount issues in 2024 are going to be? They're going to be in policy terms. That's going to be totally sidelined. Not just because the Biden administration like has no meaningful policy other than, and if you'll notice too, like even on the, even what was kind of its linchpin um, of a policy narrative, which was, you know, like, defense against russian aggression by like propping up this criminal state of ukraine like as 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 the ukrainian offensive petered out and as uh and as the fiction can no longer be maintained that you know there's that that ukraine is is a military path to victory you know suddenly like that's been like redacted from the news cycle um so uh that so policy issues are going to be totally sidelined um because there's nothing that there's nothing that the biden regime can point to um, in order to shore up its credibility, there's not even any kind of like, uh, you know, successes within the, within the parameters of its own rationality and, 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 you know, priorities. So it's just going to come down to, um, you know, a referendum on, uh, on Biden's legitimacy. And, uh, that, that's the million dollar question is, uh, our election is permanently canceled, you know, um, will there actually be an election? Um, I don't think there will be. Okay. And that's going to be a real problem. Okay, um, you know, uh, pulling the plug on, you know, electoral due process and declaring that 70 million people are just bad people and that their candidates illegitimate and installing like this doddering old fool as kind of the make-believe executive. You can pull it off once. Um, I'm not sure you can pull it off twice and still retain any credibility. Um, so that's... Uh, the Republicans were hoping it wouldn't come to this because they really thought, I think, that DeSantis gained traction. How they could think that, I don't know. But uh, they basically, if that had happened, they would have allowed, I think, something approaching, you know, like uh, a, a traditional election, at least such that it's been precedented since the year 2000, Bush v. Gore. Because DeSantis, it was just like DOA. Like, they're not going to allow that. Okay, they're not, they're not going to allow an actual election with Mr. Trump as, as, as the nominee. Um, that's why they're like trying, that's why they're playing all stops. So like trying to like, you know, trying to lock him in jail or if they can't do that, they'll just like continue to stack charges upon him. So that there's no way he can actually run a campaign because he's just constantly like fighting charges. Um, that's my take on it, but I, I don't have any fucking great insight. Yeah. And you, and you see that and there's some movements to take him off the ballot in certain states right. and stuff like right. that. And, uh, you know, personally, I think they're playing with fire, uh, with, with some they're of being really, really stupid. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was fucking retarded. Like what they did in 2020 just like going utterly berserk and then canceling the election. Like, that's not the way you do something like that, you know? And like, you don't, uh, it's, it's just, it's just like amateur hour, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's incompetence like across the board, in terms of, uh, I mean, they're not even like good Machiavellians, I guess is the point. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, man. And like, I think for our people and for our side, um, you know, this, 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 the regime is like losing credibility in a way, sight unseen, since like the Soviet Union circa, you know, like 1987, 88 or so. You know, like it's becoming like a joke. Like even, even, uh, even completely mind fucked people who, 
you know, don't have like a distant bone in their body. Like they, they look at Biden as like a fucking grotesque clown. They look at the regime as like totally full of shit. They look at it as a joke. Like when, uh, you know, when, uh, when like some, when some stupid twat like AOC declares that like, you know, it's racist to like demand that like anybody have any form of identification to vote. And then, I mean, it's like nobody, there's like, there's like third world shit, you know, like nobody, nobody, nobody takes that seriously. Um, like even the people who support it, um, you know, they, they don't, they, 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 they don't view it as serious. I mean, they view it as like an instrumentality of, uh, of, um, of political warfare or sociological warfare, maybe more properly, but yeah, it'll be, I mean, I, I don't, I'll be, I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm interested to see what happens, man. You know, like uh, <laughs> we don't have a stake in it. It doesn't, you know, like, I'm, like, it's a good show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Closer to ask me again in three months, I'll probably have something like more. <laughs> now, I have some questions. Some of these are from the chief of staff too. But um, uh, recently, you went on a trip to Utah. Uh, what do you think about Mormons and their role in the deep state, or just Mormons? In um, I think I I, I don't want to like offend anybody. I'm not saying sure. Yeah, yeah don't slam I mean, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean for my but my I, Mormonism is like kind of strange to me. Like according to my faith tradition. Um, but I, that, I mean, that's fine. Like Mormon people, I find them to be pretty genuine and friendly, like in, a, in an authentic way. Um, the, the culture in Utah, it's both in the big city and like out in the country, like people are very kind of like open and welcoming. Um, and I saw like a lot of rebel flags and like a lot of, a lot of pro gun people and, you know, people kind of like are adjacent to us and that's great. Um, What's the Mormon role in the deep state? Traditionally, Mormons were strongly overrepresented in federal law enforcement. That is no longer the case. They are insinuated into the State Department in certain roles, but not in policy directive terms at the top. Um, if I'm missing something, I, you know, please speak up and tell me. But I don't, I don't think the Mormons have tremendous clout in the federal apparatus. Okay, I just don't. Um, that's why, uh, you know, people, and there's a lot of Mormons who have a lot, who are wealthy, frankly. Um, but you know, there's not, there's not a dozen Mitt Romneys. There's just like Mitt Romney, you know what I mean? Like it's not, um, they're, they're not, uh, they're, they're, they're a meaningful demographic politically, but not, they, they don't have clout in the deep state. I don't believe in that way. Now, uh, like I said, these jump around a little bit, but, uh, I was talking about the Civil War a couple of weeks ago. Maybe that's why you put this on here. But uh, how do you see the U.S. Civil War, and do you see it as a conflict instigated over slavery or states' rights? Neither. I mean, the uh, the kind of, like, faux moral outrage of abolitionists, I mean, that was something that was deeply rooted. Um, there, there was a radical Puritan sensibility that always kind of made contempt for the South. And like many other yes. um, kind of cultural, discrete cultural uh, um, uh, iterations in America, I think it was a continuation of the War of Three Kingdoms in basic terms. Um, you know, uh, and that's the way the South viewed it in a lot of ways. Um, the uh, what it was is that this there couldn't be a there couldn't be a United States. Um, under uh with, with with a single uh you know kind of like national uh national economic structure like a hamiltonian frederick list sort 
that like incorporated the South into it seamlessly. Okay. Um, it would have entailed the dispossession of uh, a huge swath of uh, the Southern capital base. Okay. Now, does that mean it would be impossible to assimilate that without warfare? No, but such that the the proverbial little battle lines were drawn, you know, going back really to the to even before the founding of the republic. Um, I think that's what made it inevitable. Um, you know, it's uh, war arrives like the seasons, man. I'm always making that point. The traditional view is not Clausewitzian. Warfare is not this like rational process to accomplish political goals. You know, it's, it arrives like this, like the winter time, you know, it's the cutting of reason um, brings warfare and uh, there was irreconcilable worldviews um, are going to lead to, uh, are going to, are going to lead to armed conflict. And that's exactly what happened. You know, like the, the, the Southern way of life is not compatible with the, modernity in some basic way certainly not in 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 the in the modernity that was cultivated by uh you know the the northern elite and particularly the northeastern elite and um the degree to which the northeast like was the capital base of america like for really until the 1960s like they cannot be overstated you know like these people had like almost godlike power you know to uh to kind of control the trajectory of uh of the federal apparatus um and uh as well as to kind of like manipulate uh manipulate the course of policy in in truly global terms like when america truly developed like a global uh uh um like a velt politique you know that's that's why it's i, I can't just get into the short form and explain the whole thing sure. but no it wasn't about slavery like why why didn't america go to war with the ottoman empire then they had slaves until the 20th century you know like it's Yeah, I always saw it as uh, about Yankee hegemony, basically, uh, and maintaining northern political power. Well, yeah, 100 percent. No, 100 percent. Well, it's also, too, like if you're going to end slavery, you don't do it by you don't do it by going to war and killing half a million people. Like it's not (laughs) like that's not how that that's not how you do it. Um, You know, and it's. uh, Yeah. All right, now we'll jump around here some because I spent too much time on the on the person, but I really enjoyed that discussion. Uh, what about Ukraine and Russia? You mentioned that uh, a little bit, and we talked about it a little bit last time. Uh, but how do you see that thing panning out, and and what have you seen since then? I mean, there's no military path to victory for Ukraine. There never was. It uh, was a very short sighted effort by America to. Uh, I mean, really, what what this. In- the crux of what um, this entailed was America's assault on the, the, the American terrorist attack on um, on the Nord Stream pipeline. Okay, um, America had to decouple Russia from Europe. Um, that's always, America's always had to sustain that paradigm in order to dominate Europe in an enduring capacity. Um, this is why, uh, this is why the state department, uh, unconditionally refused to abide, uh, a demilitarization of, of the inner German border. Um, this is why, uh, America perennially like refuses to abide any kind of concord with, uh, between Germany and Russia without, uh, sabotaging it. Um, so that's, that's the context in more immediate terms, um, Obviously, uh, you know, the the Pentagon establishment 
has been looking for ways to provoke hostilities with Russia. I mean, for decades, you know, so in the short term, uh, it was, it was, you know, another, it was like a make work, uh, another make work mission, you know, whereby, uh, you know, a, a handful of, uh, a handful of defense firms could profit immeasurably, you know, um, uh, it, these, uh, these careers types, uh, in the military establishment, you know, it, it gave them a, a path, uh, you know, kind of promotion and clout, you know, all the, all the conventional reasons, but also, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the tribe utterly hates fucking Russia. Um, like the degree to which they hate Russia, like really can't be overstated, you know, so there's always going to be, um, there's, there's always going to be an, an attempt to find, you know, catalysts like manufactured or not contrived or otherwise to enter into direct hostilities with Russia, um, short of, you know, uh, short of, uh, engagements that risk, uh, escalation, to nuclear, biological and chemical, um, well, warfare. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, the, because, because the department of state is so short sighted and because the American executive is so short sighted, there really was no kind of, uh, there, there, there really was no kind of like exit strategy or, or perhaps it's better stated as like a conclusion, uh, like, like a kind of policy conclusion to this, uh, kind of unprovoked, uh, hostility, uh, um against russia with ukraine as the proxy uh so it's like as 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 ukraine's ability to mount um even battalion level operations kind of has petered out you know all america has is to keep on shrieking that russia's evil and slapping sanctions on people you know like that doesn't after a while like that loses its it's what moment what what little organic momentum it actually had and uh you know people lose their uh people lose their kind of stomach to continue to cheer on these things that don't seem to have any kind of like rational conclusion, you know? So that's why, like I said, like it's, it's kind of slowly being like redacted from the news cycle and the narrative. Yeah. And I saw Zelensky, we have this video, we might play it later, but so he was on 60 minutes. He's in Washington this week. Uh, and he's like, well, if only they would give us more weapons or if only they would give us more money. It's like, that's not, <laughs> What's well, also this fools on tape, yeah. like literally talking this, talking to like his, talking to like these his generals, and they're like they're like demanding to get paid more because like you know some some other guy has got like you know a Rolls Royce, and like I'm only I only got three hundred thousand, you know, like it's they're literally just uh, like a bunch of pigs at the trough, you know, uh, like like living like a bunch of gangster rappers or something, you know, and like even uh, even the most uh, you know, even the most kind of uh, dull witted like natural slave, like American news watcher after a while, like they, <laughs> they kind of get put off by that. But things like is literally like a rat. He's like this little like rat man who like fucking, he, uh, he appears in public in like a stained undershirt. Like the motherfucker like looks like a rodent, you know, like he's, uh, <laughs> he's like, like the optics of it are just like shit, you know, like, like some little, some little like pimp rat man just like demanding money. Like it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's getting old. I think even to the average everyday American at this point, where it's like, okay, clearly there's no, there's nothing, you know, there's no real solution here. Uh, just let them fight. And besides, you know, giving them more money, we've given them a lot of money uh, as it is. Well, it's also too like that's not what like, you know. I mean, yeah, you, you need you need capital to wage war. War is very costly in every conceivable sense, but it's not like it's never it's never just a matter of like money to like wage war. You know, and it's like what's well, it's like I said from inception, and like you don't need to have some kind of grand insight into the modern battlefield 
Like what exactly? So you're telling me that there was any chance that the Ukrainian armed forces, they were going to defeat the Russian army in the field. Then they were going to chase it into Moscow, destroy its ability to reconstitute, brutalize the Russian Federation and devastate Moscow to the point that it can no longer wage war and no longer mount offensive action against Ukraine. And they get some guarantee in the future that, you know, Russia will honor like any territorial uh, uh, prizes like captured by the Ukrainian armed forces. There's absolutely no chance of that ever happening. I mean, so what's the path to victory? You just like endlessly mount like offensives and like piss away your entire population and, you know, make Zelensky and, 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 and Biden's like crackhead, like <laughs> son rich. Like I, okay. I mean, that's, that, that doesn't seem like a policy to me. It seems like some kind of comically corrupt, you know, profiteering regime, but <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not politics or, you know, war and peace as we conventionally consider it. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's just, um, there, there is no, like I said, Russia's not going to respect anything anyway. Uh, and there's no real, there's no real solution there in terms of us being involved. Um, all right. Now I have, I have some other questions here. Uh, some of them are, or like I said, they jump around. Um, but uh, William Luther Pierce, uh, thoughts on him and his impact? I always had a lot of respect for Pierce. Him and Tommy Metzger were really the only guys in what I think of as the old resistance, who I think were really valuable people. Pierce was a brilliant guy, quite literally. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the, I'm sure the subscribers know his background. You know, he was a physics professor. He had a tremendous understanding of the world situation within kind of the Cold War paradigm as it was in the Eisenhower era and kind of just beyond. But uh, I parted ways with him with his kind of, he had a very rigidly kind of like biological view of uh, race and of, and of political paradigms. Now I know that like he had this kind of like soft pantheistic, almost kind of Heideggerian like spiritual sense of things, you know, and, and at that, that wasn't just a con. I, I think he honestly believed those things, but I, I, um, you know, that's where I kind of part ways, parted ways with Pierce, but, um, he, uh, he was, I, I, th I think he, uh, I, I think he was an important voice particularly. And he was one of the few guys too, in that old resistance coterie, who remained very relevant into the nineties, you know, and I, I started listening to very distant voices in the nineties because, you know, like that's when I, you know, became a teenager. I mean, I became a teenager in 89, but I, but the point is I became like politically aware in like a more sophisticated way, like into the nineties and uh, Pierce, he wasn't one of these guys who was like stuck in the cold war and whatever. Uh, like a lot of people on the right, like he very much was uh, wise to what the Clinton administration was doing in terms of the globalist architecture and kind of the, the, you know, the augmenting of the deep state into a truly kind of like permanent regime. Um, so he was, uh, I, I, he was a real asset to our side. You know, like I said, uh, I, I part ways uh, with him on some uh, kind of core issues of, uh, of ontology as well as, um, you know, uh, the way, uh, as well as like the way we should understand ourselves as a people. But, you know, he's, he's definitely a guy who's worth reading, you know, now, in that same vein, what about uh, Francis Parker Yaki? Uh, what do you think his impact was? And then uh, what do you make of his alleged suicide? I mean, Yaki's, uh, my own thought has been, 
more than any single other single thinker, uh, Yaki's impacted my own like worldview. Okay. Um, yeah, he was a rare intellect that the American right really wasn't ready for. Uh, there was guys like Connie McGinley who had a pro-Soviet stance. Not pro-Soviet in that they liked communism or thought there was a good government in Moscow, but they realized the Warsaw Pact contra NATO was an essential uh, hedge against uh, Zionist hegemony over the planet. Uh, Yaki... If uh, if there's one American who really understood kind of the European situation uh, geostrategically as well as philosophically in terms of what the Europeans viewed as kind of like the long emergency of, uh, of the European culture, like Yaki was about the only American who truly understood that in a complete capacity. As people know, probably what really the man who really kind of publicized Yaki's work uh, outside of esoteric circles was, uh, um, was Willis Cardo. Cardo, however, never actually read Yaki and H.E. Thompson made that point. And if you read Cardo's uh, content, he was basically a conventional cold warrior who was also like racially aware. Okay. However, he realized that Yaki had something important to contribute and I think he actually, I think he had, you know, kind of the, he, he was able to put his ego aside enough to accept that it was probably outside of his wheelhouse and kind of like above his, uh, above his, uh, you know, um, intellectual capabilities to really put it in perspective. But so did Yaki have a huge impact on the American right? Uh, not in the sense that people think uh, during the Cold War. Um, Yaki, I think today is uh, tremendously impactful in terms of how people structure the world, particularly in geostrategic terms. What do I think of his suicide? Uh, I think it's pretty clear that I think it's pretty above board and Yaki killed himself. The government thought that Yaki was, uh, I mean, I think Yaki was in fact uh, an agent for the DDR and also for Czechoslovakia. Okay. The regime arrested him, I believe, because they thought that he was a Soviet agent. Okay. And uh, what they did to Soviet agents in those days was not anything you'd wish upon your worst enemy. Yaki didn't, I mean, Yaki, who knows what he would have been forced to give up under interrogation. Okay. So he killed himself. Um, anybody in that role would have to be willing to do that. Um, Plus, I think he wanted to, Yaki had a, Yaki had a wife and kids who he was estranged from at the time. Um, he had a longtime lady paramour, Ilsa DeWitt, and he had two maiden sisters. I think he wanted to spare all them the embarrassment of some kind of show trial and his face and name being splashed everywhere too. Um, so I, I understand completely why he killed himself. I I understand it. I mean, I, I'd hate to be put in that kind of position what that's my take on it all right so i have a few more questions um i don't know about this but the chief of staff must have seen it uh can you tell the full story story about the sorcerer uh and i don't know all the story about the sorcerer but uh, what happened there yeah i i'm going to when i upload my when i upload the video from uh utah and like the crazy stuff in the desert 
Like you're, I, I don't want to like spoil it. So you'll see yeah. it on Thomas TV probably in about three weeks. Okay, good. All right. And he had, like, he had a little bit more to the question, but I clipped it because I didn't know if I want to give away uh, some of the stuff that happened there. But yeah, he, he was curious about the sorcerer, and I didn't know about it either. So, all right. I'll yeah, you'll see it on the, I got a bunch of footage of it, it's good stuff. I just don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, so he wants me to show the pick. Well, I don't want to spoil it. So, yeah, so you can show the pick, man. Like, go ahead. Okay. All right. I'll pull that up. I have to. Uh, I'll have to save it, but uh, all right, I'll try to pull that up uh, and show it to people at least before you go. Uh, what does it mean to be a peckerwood to you? I mean, it means the it means uh, it means being a down ass white man. Uh, you know, it means being it means it means being comfortable walking alone. It means recognizing yourself as master cast. Um, you know, it's a, it's an attitude, it's an ethos, it's an ontology, you know, uh, if you're truly, you know, like, uh, if you're truly founding stock, you know, you're the center prod, um, you're Anglo Germanic, you know, old stock. I mean, that's what you are. Um, it's also like a willful defection from like, you know, the fucking, you know, from, uh, from bougie norms and shit, you know, like, you should probably wear the Confederate flag of the hacking crews. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you should, you, you should openly be proud of your race. Like you should openly, you know, view yourself as master cast and not fucking apologize. I mean, it's all those things. I know. Let's see. Uh, some of these I covered already in this top, just unconsciously. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of the Streets of Rage series, but and you must be because he said thoughts. Uh, on, yeah, I love yeah, that shit. Yeah, thoughts on the Streets of Rage series and which is the best and why? Streets of Rage Two is the best. I mean, I haven't played it in 30 years, but like I, I used to play it all day when I was like in high school. Like it, I don't know, it's just like fun, man, and it had like a slap and soundtrack. You know, it's like uh, there was some the Sega Genesis was a was a dope system. You know, like it uh. So it was the Sega Master System. That's a whole other discussion. Like the Sega Master System was dope, and it was better than the NES, man. And like it, um, and the the Sega Dreamcast was fucking dope. The Dreamcast like the, was dope. Yeah, yeah. Like I got that on day one, nine nine ninety nine. I still remember. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. The uh, but yeah, that's no. I was I so I had a Sega Genesis. I was a huge Sega Genesis and like PS one like fanatic. And uh, so yeah, like Streets of Rage two was like one of my favorite games. I mean that's that, that's why I like I post like memes or something from it i assume that's like where the question comes yeah from. yeah i believe so yeah. uh and i've seen you post something from it but uh yeah yeah, yeah. question there because yeah, yeah it's, it's fun man uh no let's see i think we hit most of them but i'm trying to look through um okay let me see here uh yeah i think we got most thoughts of metallica thoughts of metallica they're the shittiest band that ever existed. <laughs> they're, like, they're literally they're the only band where like they could like repel pussy by like playing rock and roll. Like they're faggots. <laughs> I didn't know you had such a strong opinion on Metallica. Um, but you might I think you're probably right about the repelling pussy thing. Yeah, you don't they made really... a whole documentary of them like crying like at a therapist's office or something. And like <laughs> and like Lars Ulrich is like this like literal like fucking retard who like who like who like got mad at his fans for like not paying him enough? Like they're fucking faggots. <laughs> they're like they're like, they're like they're a big hit was like a song about a going to sleep is scary. It's like some like Mister Rogers fucking shit. Like it's the, it's the house band of Walmart. 
If you have yeah. worse than Van they are known for whining a lot too. Yeah, you're right about that. And, no, they're, they're know, fucking vegans, so they Not get, that yeah, everybody doesn't have problems, but it's a little hard to feel sorry for. Yeah, you know, superstar millionaire. Uh, they're, 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 they're the shittiest band of all time, man. Like they're like, <laughs> the, only, like the only like 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 the only more uncool like unrock and roll motherfucker is Gene Simmons. Oh, like Gene he, Simmons. but they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, Chetalico is the worst band that ever existed. <laughs> Uh, a couple of quick ones. Uh, w what about the recent conflicts in West Africa, uh, Niger, and the coup in Gabon? Uh, that's something. That's something to watch, man. And like the fact that the this is the first time in my life. Uh, I, I mean, this is the first time, like, period. That like the French are not, you know, deploying the Foreign Legion and and like their special operations cable forces and essentially uh, forcing the outcome that they want. That's huge, man. And uh, you know the kind of these 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 uh, you know the 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 honchos of these African states, you know uh, you know telling not just Paris but telling like Washington to like you know go fuck yourself, you know that that's huge, man. And uh, that's something to watch, and and Sudan particularly is something to watch too. Um, the, like the the kind of like paradigm there, and uh, you know both Beijing and Moscow are are trying to capture clout. In sub-Saharan Africa, uh, and they're succeeding to varying degrees. Uh, not to the point that some of these like neocon wackos claim, but it is. But they are nature abhors a vacuum, but also um, they've been cultivating this respectively. Um, but yes, it's definitely something to watch. Like that's that's the more interesting that uh, um, and and uh, in, in South Yemen or, or Yemen rather, like not the South Yemen's existence of the Cold War. Uh, those those battle theaters are more critical, in my opinion, like in broad, like, you know, kind of global terms and what's happening in Ukraine right now. So, well, yeah, it's definitely something to And watch. I'm glad you mentioned Yemen because you would think that doesn't even exist anymore, like that conflict, because it's never right, talked right. about. The U.S. media is a complete joke when it comes to international coverage anyway and always has been, um, except maybe like the New York Times International. But it's so, like, nobody reads that, right? Like, <laughs> very few do. Uh, and, of course, it's slanted in and of itself, but, like, in terms of, like, you know, in-depth coverage no, of, of international people, conflicts, it doesn't really exist. No, these people, they're just, they're just like, yeah, they're just like, there's like they're just like uh, listening to State of Mind briefings, like in you know there's the people like live in D.C. and like they, they don't even like set foot in theater, you know they're right. just like listening to State of Mind briefings and then like you know doing copy pasta stuff and like that's what passes for, you know like international uh, relations news, yeah. Now we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'll I'll, I'll wrap back around. Then I got one more little thing to let you plug your stuff. But um, what role has faith uh, played in helping you along your journey? A hundred percent, you know, like I said, even if you don't have to be like a, a Bible believer or like a Christian at all, um, you know, but you, you con contemplating the, you know, the, the transcendental, um, is something that, I mean, any, and any truly examined life, it entails that, you know, and when you come to realize, you know, what role we play in that, you know, however insignificant, you know, you, it does, you know, put things in a certain perspective, you know, and uh, do you want to just kind of like live on the level of an animal and self-destruct out of despair, you know, or do you want to participate in some way, however limited in, you know, the eternal and the transcendental, you know, 
it's something that's not easy to explicate in rational terms, but the short answer is like, yes, a hundred percent. Um, but I could not have, I could not, my, my, the course of my life would, could not, the catalyst for it could not have been some secular purpose. Now, uh, to wrap back around, first off, tell people where they can find you. And then I know you're raising money uh, for your operation and tell people your, your cash tag and, and all that stuff and what you're, what you're raising money for, et cetera. Yeah, you can find me. You can always find me at, at uh, thomas777.com, number 7, H-O-M-E-S, 777.com. That's kind of like a one-stop for all my, like, you know, all my content. You can find me on Substack. That's where the podcast is, the Mind Phaser podcast, and you know some of my longer form stuff. It's real Thomas seven seven seven. That's Substack.com. You can find me on Twitter, uh, real capital R E A L underscore number seven H O M E S seven 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 dot com. You can find me on Telegram. It's Thomas Graham, uh, number seven H O M E S seven 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 Graham G R A M. I'm raising money just because like, as the, as I, as I've gotten into the channel, um, you know, I've got a YouTube channel, but it's not popular by content yet. It's Thomas TV. I'll plug it when there's more stuff there. I started one of the, the purpose of the Utah trip was to shoot, shoot dedicated content for the channel. Uh, I had to invest in some hardware. I also had to pay like my, my partner in crime, my dear friend, Rake. He does all my editing. Okay. Um, I don't expect him to work for free. Um, and obviously too, I got to make sure he's got the hardware he needs. So I set out to, to raise $2,000, um, just for, you know, expenses related to season two of the podcast, which is launching October 31st. Um, and do, uh, and, uh, as, as well as the, you know, uh, kind of finesse, like our, our production and editing needs, uh, just, just for all of our stuff, video and audio, um, I, I try never to do like beggar lane neighbor shit. Um, and we're actually, we've already raised 1310 bucks as of this morning, which is fantastic. I'd be doing this, whether I raise like zero money or a million dollars, I will always be doing this, but if people want to contribute, um, my cash tag is, uh, just, uh, number seven, H O M A S seven, 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 you know? Um, and if you want it again, like no one should ever feel obligated to throw anything our way, but if you want to, that's how you can do it. Um, when I, when season two of the podcast launches, all season one content will become free. Now it's only five bucks a month. I'm hoping as season two gets off the ground, I can make the podcast totally free. Um, it's five bucks a month because that's, that's what I, that's the only way I can do it without eating a loss. But I'm thinking we'll be fully monetized as season two gets off the ground. So I should be able to make that totally free, but yeah, that's where we're at. Very cool. Thomas 777, one of my favorite guests, and I appreciate you coming on. And we got into a lot of stuff. I really love the the first part of that interview. Of course, a lot of that stuff's been on my mind already. Uh, but uh, I enjoy you I enjoy you coming on the show and talking to me. I'm one of the realest guys around. And, no, man, uh, don't. I appreciate it. Like, legit, reach out anytime, man. Don't be a stranger. It's always great to hear from you. And thanks, as always, man. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure to be hosted by you. Thank you so much, and I'll put your um, I'll put your Twitter in the chat, uh, and I hope to talk to you again here pretty soon. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Thank you, Thomas seven 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 live on the kill stream. Uh, great guest, uh, great guy, uh, very genuine. 
and uh, you've been around a long time like I have, uh, you start to put value. Uh, you start to put value into that a lot. Yeah, there goes all of his links uh, in chat from um, from Epstein. Did now speaking of raising money, we're raising money here on the Killstream PowerChat.live slash the Ralph Retort Killstream.live slash Tip. I know it's a little slower today. Probably the beginning kind of set things on that wrong foot a little bit too, but uh, we did rebound as far as the technical issues are concerned. I think Salvo is going to call in here in a bit in another radical uh, change in direction here on the kill stream. I think we're going to talk about the Edwin stuff, uh, maybe some of the commentary community drama, which we really haven't talked about today. And I know a little bit about it, but uh, hopefully he gets in here. Uh, and we can talk about it uh, more fully. But um, powerchat.live slash the Ralph Retort, killstream.live slash tip, dollar sign sunset squad on Cash App, checkya.com slash killstream slash pay me, killstream.live slash entropy, Rumble Rants here on Rumble, Odyssey Hyper Chats. Uh, again, your support does keep the show going. I talked about this last week. A lot of people want to shut this down. Uh, and you've seen it. And of course, you know, I helped them along a little bit with some of my own personal stumbles and, and actions. So I do apologize, and I apologize to you guys before, but that does frustrate me. But uh, how do you rebound from that? Well, you get back out here, and uh, you put on good shows. I think today's been a pretty good show, and that really picked up business there uh, with Thomas777. So uh, if you enjoyed that and you have a few extra bucks, definitely uh, help us meet the fun. Now we're a little bit, uh, like I said, we're a little bit behind today. Um, the show is only about, you know, we still have, you know, two or three hours, two and a half hours, something like that left in the show. Uh, and I know it does pick up speed sometimes a little bit around this time as well. Uh, and I think I might've just saw something come in, but I'll look, I'll turn the power chat back on. I, I muted it during his, um, during his appearance, just so that we could, um, just so that we could hear it, uh, a little bit better and it wouldn't interrupt him, um, so I'll check Power Chat. That last uh, that song that Farfur sent in earlier, uh, still going in my head. Thank you, Chief of Staff. <clears throat> he really enjoyed that interview. Uh, yeah, I did too. And uh, your questions in the second half were key. Um, but I I really enjoyed the first. You know, my favorite interviews are are ones that just flow and i just happened to see that tweet it's funny because he sent me a bunch of questions but what we focused on for for the first half and like the majority was i just happened to see that tweet from him and everybody knows i've been going through it it's not a secret but i just happened to see that tweet and you know he talked about how he had you know rebounded these past two years and how he was you know at the at the depths of his experience and um you know, I enjoyed him on the show and think of him as highly intelligent, not just very intelligent, highly intelligent. And I, I was reading that tweet and, you know, you look for inspiration, you look for things that'll give yourself a little boost, a little impetus to, to improve, et cetera. And I just happened to see that tweet and, um, you know, we just kind of rolled from there and, and that one tweet, 
uh, had so much in it uh, in terms of life experience and um, the ability to rebound. And, you know, I've shown that ability before, uh, but uh, you know, it's even more critical uh, these days and got a lot of stuff, you know, to deal with personally and professionally and all that. Uh, so I just happened to see that tweet and, you know, you just set it up and, and let it go. And uh, thank you for, he sent me a kind comment about the interview. I appreciate that. And I, I did enjoy it a lot myself. So, um, yeah, I, I had known that, um, I had known that Peter, but um, yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about it quite that much. Um, yeah. Blood in the water. Yeah. A lot of people think this is the time to try to try to finish me off for sure. Um, I'm going to prove them wrong, but, uh, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people think that, and, um, you know, it's up to me to rise above. I think I've been doing pretty good, but, uh, it's a thing where, you know, I'm only a couple weeks in, uh, to the renewed sobriety and also to the, to the rebuild. So it's not something that's going to be an overnight thing. It's more of one month, two months, six months, a year, three years. Uh, you know, that's, eight years, right? Like it's, um, it's something that you, that you show, uh, and that you build upon. And I wouldn't expect, uh, everybody to, to buy in, uh, completely just yet, but, uh, it's something that you show, uh, with your work. This is my work here on the kill stream, uh, and, and with your deeds, et cetera. And again, it's not that we're going to change everything. We're still about to talk about this, um, arguably dumb shit. Uh, <laughs> in the commentary community. Uh, but, um, you know, you just have the proof's in the pudding. As I said, I don't know if it was locals or the other day on this show, uh, but the, the proof is in the pudding. Hard work will pay off, Wynn said. Well, that's what I think, too. Stephanie says, there is blood in the water. Turns out it's their own. Well, like I said, I... I you know, if I didn't have bulletin board material, if I didn't have, um, you know, something pushing me, I'd probably have to create it. Um, and I guess I have this time. Um, because it, it does give me a little bit of motivation. I've all, it's always been that, you know, any type of success I've had have, has come through adversity first. And sometimes it's heavy adversity. And, um, you know, I wish I could maybe do it without that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the goal this time is to put the adversity personal, especially behind me and, and try to uh, do without that. But, uh, you know, you look at when the kill stream took off itself, you know, we talked about jailer. That's when I got out of jail and a ton of people thought I was done when I went to jail and I wasn't. And, you know, a ton of people thought I was done at this moment or kicked off YouTube or first divorce or, this scandal or that scandal and um you know it hasn't been the case yet and it's due to your support so if you want to support those are all the options sorry to get off on a bit of a tangent there i'll send salvo the link uh as well um ralph ml pmc says i know the block is hot as you say yeah, i do say that but any chance of a debate saying yeah i want to set one up um but like you said and i said the block is hot and it's a little bit uh now thomas 777 is a legend and uh, a guy I actually do consider a friend, even though we mostly just talked on the show. But uh, he was very kind uh, on Twitter. Uh, and, 
you know, he's not the type that's going to get blown off the mark because of something like that or, you know, this scandal or that scandal. If he's cool with you, he's showing up uh, and you don't have to worry about it. Um, not to throw shade at anybody else, but when the heat is on, some people want to stand back a little bit till the heat dies down or till you show that you got it again. And so I completely understand that. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't hurt my feelings, but, but I know how the business goes. I know how people work. So, um, you just have to be realistic. Thank you. I really did enjoy that interview. And like I said, I didn't really plan, you know, I had those questions and I didn't really plan to, to do it like that, but, uh, I thought it worked out well. I, I do think those are my best sorts of interviews where they, it's just kind of from the heart, you know, you're letting the guests speak and they're speaking their heart too. Um, so yeah. And Thomas is always st stuck by, yeah, that's true. I can't say enough things about him either, Chief of Staff. Uh, 100%. 100,000%. He's a real one. He's a real one. Uh, now let's see. I'll send Salvo the link. Um, yeah, and he's a, he's a real one, and he's a realist, but it's not... Um, I feel like there's a hopeful note uh, always with him as well, right? Like... Um, it's not um, completely black-pilled. It's not, um, you know, like there's a little twinge. There's a little bit of uh, of a sun of sunlight there, which I think I think is good. So I think it's very good, and uh, you know, some of that comes through going through the darkness too, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So I sent Salva the link. We'll see. Uh, what happens on that? 